election, because the election didn't go my way, you know, it, it, it seemed like because the election was manipulated in certain ways, uh, it made me feel like my vote didn't count. It really made me feel like, hey man, you just a nobody. But then I remember, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should be a nobody, amen? We should be a nobody telling everybody about somebody who saved our soul, amen? Truly, I pray that you want the world to see nobody but Jesus, your Lord. But did you know that the Bible is filled with nobodies? Filled with nobodies. Several nobodies appear in the pages of the Bible, and then they just poof, disappear. These people come out of nowhere. They're mightily used by God, and then they just fade away, never being mentioned again. Like, for instance, that widow, that widow woman that fed and sheltered the prophet Elijah during a famine. I mean, whatever happened to her? What about that little boy that I mentioned earlier who gave his lunch to Jesus Christ, who took it and multiplied it and took that tiny portion of food and fed 5,000 men plus the women and children? Could have been upward of around 20,000 people with that little boy's lunch. Whatever happened to him? What about that woman? That woman who anointed the Lord and, and washed his feet with her hair, lavishly pouring out sacrifice to her Lord Jesus Christ. What happened to her? I wonder what happened to Joseph of Amarathia, who at great personal risk and great personal cost buried the body of Jesus. And then he's never heard from again. It seems like God chooses, chooses to use those who are unknown nobodies to accomplish his work in the world. And today's judge is no exception. His name is Shamgar. Will you say Shamgar? Shamgar. Shamgar is an unknown man who appears in the Bible, is used mightily by God, and then he is ushered back into the shadows whence he came. But what little bit is said in this one verse tells us a lot about Shamgar's great character and also Shamgar's great courage and how God used him in a great way. It's on page 220 in the Bibles in front of you. I'd love for you to see this verse for yourself. But it's in Judges chapter 3. Again, just one verse today. Verse 31. And the Bible says, After him, that is, after Ahud, the last judge we talked about last week, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. 
I'll clarify that in a minute. But he also delivered Israel. Today I want to make three observations about Shamgar. Three observations that I pray you will recognize about this nobody. This nobody named Shamgar. The first observation is this. To me, Shamgar was a diligent worker. One meaning for the name Shamgar is sword. And obviously we can see, and one thing we know for sure, is that Shamgar was used like a sword in the hand of God to destroy the enemies of Israel. But in addition to that, we also know that Shamgar must have been a farmer. We're told that Shamgar carried and even fought with an ox goad. Now, an ox goad was not a weapon of war. An ox goad was basically a cattle prod. An ox goad was a pole about 8 to 10 feet in length with a, that it was tipped with a long iron point. And when the oxen would not respond to a voice command or the pulling of the reins, guess what they would respond to? The sharp end of that ox goad, amen? Uh, the other end of this tool was shaped like a spade, uh, kind of like a flat scraper, if you will. And that metal blade was used to knock off the clay and the dirt clods off of the plow that the oxen was pulling. Now, there's something else that we know about Shamgar, and it, we find that it has to do with the time in which Shamgar lived. You see, friend, it was a very difficult time for God's people in Israel. In fact, in the only other mention of Shamgar, we learned that it was a time when God's people were afraid to travel. They were even afraid to go visit their relatives. They feared that they would be stopped, that they'd be robbed, uh, that they would be captured, taken into custody, or maybe even worse, killed. It was a time when they were afraid to live out in the villages because they were fearing those who would invade the nation and attack its people. Listen to what this only other Reference to Shamgar says in Judges chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, listen to this, the highways were deserted. The highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. So in other words, they didn't use Highway 72, they used all the county roads, amen? Listen, it says, village life ceased. Village, that means Anderson wouldn't have even existed, amen? Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. But it was also a time when God's people better not be caught with a weapon. Are you smelling what I'm talking about here? You better not be caught with a weapon because weapons were prohibited by the enemies that captured the land. In fact, in Judges 5.8, the Bible says, not a shield nor spear was found in the 40,000 people of Israel. They took away all their weapons. This verse tells us that while Israel was being invaded by the many tribes of Canaan, 
God's people were also being invaded and under attack from the Philistines. And I'll talk a little bit more about them here in a moment. But one great lesson I want you to walk out of here with today is, is that God tends to use those who are already busy doing his work. You may say, well, Brother Bill, the church has pretty much been closed. How can we do that? Well, when God called Shamgar, Shamgar was actively working to feed and to care for his family. And so when the enemy came, Shamgar was God's chosen instrument of the day. Friend, we need to remember that God saved us to serve him. Amen? God saved us to serve him, and we serve him best when we are busy serving other people. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, here comes, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James said it this way. He said, if you really fulfill God's law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. So, if I'm looking at us from God's perspective, he says, you know what? If I can't trust them with the simple things, if I can't trust them with personal obedience, if I can't trust them to take care of their marriage, if I can't trust them to take care of their family, if I can't trust them to take care of their neighbor, why would I give them something greater than that? to do. Listen, the days are going to get much, much harder for you and I to be servants of the Lord. The government and our society seem to be hating on us like never before. They seem to be hating on us more than any other time in American history. And listen, we ain't seen nothing yet. It seems that the hatred of the Lord, the hatred of the Lord's work grows exponentially every year. It seems that people's hearts are becoming harder. People's hearts are becoming colder toward the good news and toward the Lord's call to be saved. However, these are the days that you and I have been chosen to live and to work. These are the days that we are called to do God's work, God's way, for God's glory. Friend, it's hard to raise Christian families in this day. Friend, it is hard to be in ministry in this day. But we are challenged, and I challenge you today, to do the best you can where you are. If you can't come to church, then you be the very best Christian you can in your marriage. If you can't come to church, then you be the best Christian wife that you can be in your family. Be the best Christian neighbor you can. Do the best where you are. Serve the Lord in your home. Serve the Lord in your workplace. Serve the Lord in your family. Serve the Lord in your circle of friends. And friends, when the fears subside about this COVID virus, I pray that you will make a renewed effort to serve the Lord in your church family. Just remember, wherever you're serving, 
whether it be here, at home, in your workplace, among your buddies, wherever you're working, the Lord is watching. The Lord takes note of faithful service and he will bless you and he will also use you in those areas. And you can be sure that not only will he use you, but that he will also reward you when you get to the house. Amen? So, be a diligent worker. Shamgar was, and God used him mightily. But Shamgar was not only a diligent worker, Shamgar was also a very daring warrior. As I said a moment ago, God's people were being attacked by all these Canaanites. They had disarmed God's people, took away their weapons, they couldn't defend themselves, they had weakened the nation, militarily speaking, and they were not in a position to defend themselves any longer. That provided the perfect opportunity for these hostile Philistines to come in and take advantage of the situation. They invaded Israel, they captured the people, they stole their crops, and they destroyed their villages. And when the Philistines would come and invade the villages, you know what the people did? Well, they couldn't defend themselves, so they ran away. They just fled. They just fled. They ran away from the villages. They didn't want to get captured. They didn't want to get killed. That makes good sense, right? But Shamgar, Shamgar refused to run away. Shamgar refused to run away from what God had given him. How many of you know that God is the one who's giving you your marriage? God is giving you your family. God is giving you your circle of friends. God is giving you your church. Are you going to flee and just run away when an attack comes against you? When these Philistines came, Shamgar stood his ground. Shamgar said, uh-uh. I'm going to fight for what is mine. I'm going to fight for what God gave me. He didn't have any weapons of war, but he used what he had. Are you hearing me, church? He didn't have any weapons of war, but he used what he had. He used his ox goad. Now, we can certainly see how an ox goad could be used as a weapon of war. Right? One end can be used like a spear. The other end can be used kind of like an axe. But the bottom line is this. Shamgar took what he had and he used it to preserve his people and save his family. Would you be willing to do the same should the occasion arise? Killing 600 Philistine attackers with a cattle prod. That's pretty amazing, amen? That's pretty amazing. It tells me that Shamgar was probably in pretty good shape. He's probably pretty good physical condition, but his power wasn't only physical. Shamgar's power was also spiritual. There is no doubt in my mind that it was the Spirit of God who enabled Shamgar to stand and to fight the way he did. While others were busy running away, Shamgar was busy standing his ground and fighting for what God gave him. He knew that some things in this life are worth fighting for. If you believe that, say amen. You may get to challenge. See if you really believe that. Shamgar was fighting for his home. 
Shamgar fought for his family. Shamgar fought for his freedom. He was fighting for his land. Shamgar was fighting for his right to worship God the way he chose to worship his God. Can I remind you that while we are called to be workers, we are also called to be warriors. You know, when God saved you and me, he enlisted us in his army. And after he enlisted us in his army, he set us about the business of spiritual warfare. We said last week, we are at war. The Bible says that this flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But that's not the only war we're in. Because we're also at war with God's enemy, Satan. He'd love to defeat you today. He'd love to defeat your marriage. He'd love to defeat your family. He'd love to defeat God's church. But we're also at war with the world. I don't have to tell you that this world that we live in is all about trying to take away that which the church values. It wants to take away that which your family values. We are at war and some things are worth fighting for. I pray you believe that. But here's the thing. If you don't fight, if you don't protect the things that matter the most, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see them taken away. You're going to see those things that you care about the most destroyed because you wouldn't stand, you wouldn't fight, and you wouldn't protect what is yours. Now, what things could I be talking about? What things might the enemy try to take from me? What things might the enemy want to destroy that God has given me? Well, what about your home? You know, your marriage, your spouse, your children. Are they worth fighting for? You ask me that question, you're going to get an amen on that. They're worth fighting for. They're worth dying for. If necessary, I've met some mama bears out there that I know would die in a heartbeat for their families. See, there's no sacrifice too great. There is no price that's too high for those whom God has placed in your care. God placed them in your care. He's placed y'all in my care. And I'm going to fight to the death for your safety and for your protection. So the enemy wants to take your home. He wants to destroy your home and everything in it. But he also wants to destroy your church. If we don't put up a fight, the enemy will slip in and he'll take his place even here and take away what we value as a church family. Things like the Word of God. Can you imagine the enemy, whoever that may be, the world, Satan, the flesh or the government, saying, hey, that book you're, you're studying out of, uh -uh, no more. No more Bibles allowed. What about our preaching? Hey, preacher, you better not be preaching against homosexuality. You better not be preaching against adultery. You better not be preaching against sin. We'll close down that church. And you'll be unemployed. Can I tell you, your pastor's already got a plan should that happen. Amen. And it don't involve closing this church. What about our worship? You can't worship that way. 
You can't worship as a Bible-believing church. What about our doctrines, what we believe in as Baptists? What about our separation from the world? You've got to be inclusive. You've got to be tolerant of those sinful behaviors. Are we going to fall for that? Are we going to allow that? See, all those things are under attack by Satan and by the world and sometimes by our government. So as the Lord's church, we've got to be willing to fight and to die for the things that we believe are right. But here's a third thing that you may not have considered because the enemy of God wants to take away the lost too. Those lost people, y'all, they don't know God. Those lost people, your lost friends at school, they don't care about God. But they need somebody. They need somebody who will stand in the gap. They need somebody who's willing to pray for them so that they might hear of the name of Jesus. They need somebody who will fight for them. I mean, think about it. Somebody fought for you. Jesus went to hell for you. Jesus went through hell for you. The least we can do is stand up and fight for others. We got any warriors up in here? We got any warriors in this building? Do we have any saints of God who are willing to fight the good fight of faith for those things that really matter? Those things of eternal significance. Shamgar was a diligent worker, but he was also a daring warrior. Finally today, we also see that Shamgar, praise God, was a decisive winner. Mm. See, the end of Shamgar's story tells us that he also delivered Israel. He delivered God's people. His courage allowed his people to live in freedom, to live in liberty. So in other words, Shamgar made a difference in the lives of those he fought for. I'm thankful that I have a wife that will fight for me. I've seen the mama bear side of Janet. You don't want to see that, by the way. Amen? But I know if somebody comes against me, that's what they're going to get. Amen? What about our kids? You know, are we going to make a difference in the lives of those whom we fight for? We're fighting for things that truly matter. We're fighting for things of eternal significance here. It may seem like our victories are few and far between. I know what you're saying. But in spite of that, the fight is worth fighting. The fight is still worthwhile. Because we're willing to fight for, for our fight. We're willing to see others have the hope of a better future. Don't you want your kids to have a better future? Don't you want people, the lost, to have a better future that we don't even know? Man, if we would just pass down the pure gospel of Jesus Christ if we would just pass down a holy church to the next generation, man, you know what? We will have been successful. Decisive winners we would have been. Think about this. If we can just hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, we will have been successful. We will have been decisive winners in this fight. When we see our young people and our children worshiping here. Friend, 
it makes us understand that every battle, that every fight, that every sacrifice that we ever made has been worthwhile. It makes me want to go sharpen my ox goad. Amen. Put on my spiritual armor and go fight somebody. Amen. Just saying. Church, let me encourage you today. Stay in the battle. Stay in the battle. Many people, many Christians, they just lay down their ox goads. They just lay down their ox goads and they run away in fear of the enemy. Some of them run away and join the enemy. Stay in the fight. Keep teaching. Stay in the fight. Keep living for Jesus. Keep telling other people about Jesus. Keep fighting for those things that matter. Stay in the battle. You know, we're just, we're too close to home right now to quit. Amen? Be a Shamgar. Be like Shamgar. Stay in the fight until Jesus comes after you. Amen? In closing, I want to give you six quick lessons that we can learn from this one verse. Six quick lessons that we can learn from this nobody named Shamgar. Number one, God can use anybody for his glory, even a nobody. Even a nobody like Shamgar, even a nobody like me, even a nobody like you. Number two, Shamgar fought where and when he was. He fought where he was in the time such as this that he was. He didn't give in to fear. He didn't wait for things to get better. No. He fought when and where. He took his stand for God and he won the victory. Number three. Shamgar fought with what he had. No matter how weak you think your weapons are, no matter how think, weak you think that you are, if you put yourself in the hand of God, man, I just want to challenge you to watch him. Watch him do things that only he can do. Think about it. God took Shamgar's ox goad and defeated 600 Philistines with it. God took Moses' rod and divided the Red Sea with it. God took David's sling and knocked the fire out of Goliath with it. Amen? God took that widow's meal and he fed, she, he fed a prophet with it. God took that little boy's lunch and he fed 5,000 people with it, plus women and children. All those were simple things that God used for his glory. What am I supposed to do? Fight with what you got. Fight with what God's already given you. Number four, Shamgar stood his ground for what was right. He didn't stand his ground for what was right in his own eyes. He stood his ground for what was right in God's eyes. He just made up his mind. I'm going to fight. I'm God's warrior. I'm going to fight. Number five, after he made up his mind, Shamgar left all the results to God. It was his battle. 
It was his war, and it's going to be his victory. Every single time that Shamgar fought, every single time that Shamgar put his life on the line, Shamgar trusted God. I love that. Live or die, he was going to stand for the Lord, and he was going to do what was right. And finally, Shamgar enjoyed great victory. Every time he fought, every time that Shamgar walked off the field of battle, he walked off in victory. 100% of the time. I like that. I don't win 100% of the time, but I'm going to trust God every time. Friend, are you standing your ground? Are you standing your ground in your day of battle? Are you fighting for your home? Are you fighting for your marriage, for your children, for your church, and for the other things that really, truly matter? If you hadn't been fighting, if you hadn't been fighting like you should, then maybe you ought to let God have His way in your life. Listen, friend, this world may not know your name. To them, you may be an unknown nobody. But if you're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory knows your name. And he wants to use you mightily for his glory. And he will use you if you'll just take your stand for him. If you'll just take a stand. Who would be willing to pray today? Pray today that we as God's people and God's church would take a stand and be willing to fight. And to die if necessary. Who would be willing to pray today? Come on, Brandon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day and just the opportunity that we have to come out and worship you. We're so thankful for this church. Yes. We're so thankful for Brother Bill and what he does at this church and how he inspires us. Lord, please just help us to take this message that he has provided to us this morning that we may take it and apply it to our everyday walks of mm. life and be better Christians, be better, just, just be better people. Yes. And please just help us to turn this nation to turn back to God. Mm. We need it that for you to have control of this nation once again. I know we sin and we fall short of, the short of your glory each and every day, and please forgive us for that. Mm. Please forgive me for that. Yes. And please just help this church to be strong. Mm. And please just help us to stand and fight for you and die if it need be. Yes. Please just help us to be one nation under God mm. once again. Yes. In Jesus' name, oh. amen. Hallelujah, Father. I just want to say.